are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord again today? Amen. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our message today is the power that works in us. And uh, we're going to use the same scripture that we used last Sunday, only we're going to use the last part of that scripture. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We're going to be looking at the power that works in us today. The Bible says a lot about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We sing about it. We verbalize it. We verbalize the word. We, we confess it. We declare that the, what the word says about our authority over demons and all manner of sickness and disease. But I want us to begin experiencing God in ways that we sing about. God is still working miracles. He's still healing the sick. He still works through people who believe. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, we read these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In this text, Jesus is not talking about just the 11 disciples, but he's talking about those who believe on him through their preaching. He said, these signs shall follow those that believe. And uh, that means you and I. I'm a believer. Are you a believer? Well, that's for you as well. Let's look at two basic facts that Paul shares in this letter to the Ephesians. First of all, number one, God is able. We talked about that last week, so we don't have to enlarge too much on it, but God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all. The Bible says, now unto him who is able. This means that he's able. He is always able. He has always been able. And he will always be able. God is able. There is never a question about his divine ability and what he can do. The phrase exceedingly abundantly above comes from a word that means without limit. There's no limit to God's power. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, we read, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Again in Mark 9, verse 23, All things are possible to him who believes. 
God is able to do anything. We are sometimes guilty of regarding God as if he were a mere man. Because we can't see a way out, we tend to feel there is no way out. But with God, all things are possible. Such hopelessness could send a person into depression if you let it. But we always need to, need to, need to focus upon Christ and realize that he can do anything. He is able. God's ability to deliver us is not subject to our ability to understand. The, there's a whole lot of things we don't understand. I preach the word because I believe the word. It doesn't mean that I understand everything that I'm preaching about. Amen? We walk by faith. We speak by faith. We prophesy by faith. We preach by faith. We're preaching what the Word of God says. And, and if we believe it, all things are possible if we believe it. Amen? God is able to deliver us. It's not subject to our understanding. Our thinking is limited, but God's power is limitless. Now, the power that works in us. Paul talks about the power that works in us in verse 20b. This involves the power and ability given by the Holy Spirit. It includes the authority that we have by ministering in the name of Jesus. When we use the name of Jesus, now, a lot of times, and you're probably at your workplace, you'll hear somebody using the name of Jesus, but it is using his name in vain. It's cursing. It's using it as a curse word. There's no power in that. But there's power when you use the name of Jesus declaring what he has said in his word, declaring the promises of God, and using his name, there's much power in that. And we, 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 we draw upon that power that he has placed in us. It includes the authority that we have. We have authority to use that name in prayer, to use that name when we are, when we are ministering to the sick. God has already provided his healing power and placed it inside of every born-again believer, and it is up to us to release it. Understanding and using our authority is, is key to seeing miracles happen. Peter and John were ministering one day, uh, healing to a lame man. It was just after they had been filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, they were on their way to the, up to the, the temple to pray. And uh, there was a man there that, that needed healing. He was crippled. And, uh, and uh, Peter said to him, in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, Peter said, silver and gold uh, have I none, but such as I have give uh, I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And the Bible says, He leaping up stood and walked and entered 
with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. This is what happened when Peter drew on the power that was in him. Now, notice that Peter didn't pray for this man. You know, there's a whole lot of ways that God ministers to us and through us. And here is, a, here is an instance where somebody gets healed, and Paul didn't pray, or uh, Peter didn't pray for him. You notice he didn't pray. He didn't ask God to heal him. Okay? He said, such as I have, what I have, he said, I give you. What did he have? He had authority to use the name of Jesus. He had authority to say, be healed in the name of Jesus. And it would happen. You see, he just came fresh from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He wasn't drawing on something that he had received 50 years ago and, and really hadn't exercised anything in it ever since. This was something fresh in his life. And so he said, be healed. He said, this is what I have. This didn't mean that Peter was the source of the healing. Notice what he said later as they questioned what had happened. He said it was faith in the name of Jesus that wrought this miracle. He said, why do you look at us as we did something? He said, it is faith in the name of Jesus that had wrought this miracle. And I have a feeling here that the man that was asking for alms simply expected to receive, a, you know, a coin. I don't think that he was expecting to be healed that day. So who was the one exercising faith here? It was Peter. Faith in the name of Jesus. And so he spoke to him and he was healed. Peter simply used the authority that Jesus gave him to heal the sick. You'll know another illustration from the Bible. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21, you'll find it. I don't have that on the overhead, but uh, uh, Jesus had just come, and uh, a couple of his disciples had just come down from the, from the Mount of Transfiguration. When they got down there, there was a man with a, with a boy, his son, and he, he was... Uh, he had epilepsy. And uh, the disciples tried to heal him, and nothing happened. And then the, uh, the, the father brought the boy to Jesus, and he said to Jesus, he said, I, I took my boy to your, your disciples. They prayed for him. Nothing happened. I want you to. And Jesus uh, said, I, I will heal him, and he and he uh, healed him. And then the, the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Now, Jesus had done some 
great things in their midst before. He had even sent them out in pairs, two two each, and uh, he sent them out, the 12 of them, and then uh, later he sent out uh, um, 72. And they they were commissioned to go and to preach and to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to heal and to cast out devils. And so they had operated in these things, but now they couldn't do this for this, this uh, little boy. And so they asked Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. You see, but then he said something, something else. He said, this kind go not out except by prayer and fasting. And so, you know, we have to, we have to activate our, our faith. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils to cure disease, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so, but right now, they were faced with something that they hadn't been faced with before, and they couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief. But do you know that prayer and fasting, and then he said, this kind goes out not out except by prayer and fasting. Do you know that prayer and fasting helps to tune you with God? If, you, if, you, if, you're, if your life is not, if you're not prayed up, and, and if you're not spending time with the Lord and meditating on the Lord, when we come against some of these hard situations, we're not able to do anything about it because we are not close, close enough to God. I believe that we would see more miracles if we would make, would make our authority, take our authority and command God's power instead of asking God to do what he told us to do. Too often we're begging God for something that he has already said he's going to do, and, and, and rather than taking our authority, and, and we, I believe sometimes we are intimidated. We're intimidated, but, but, but what will people think if I, if I use that kind of authority and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed? Someone comes for prayer, and, and, and I'll pray, a, you know, a, a, a two- or three-minute prayer where all God wants me to do is say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And if you believe it, and if I believe it, it'll be done. Amen? He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That's the power that's in us. Now, we must activate that power that is in us. And as I said, we need, to, we need much prayer, fasting, and meditating upon the word of God. That's what we need to be able to do. The, you know, like, you look and you say, you know, we, we'll bring in Dan Baker in December. A man who works powerfully in miracles and prophecy and, and uh, healings. And we have seen God do some mighty things in, in, uh, through him. But there's a price to be paid for that. You don't stay up all night watching TV and expect to move powerfully in the Holy Spirit. 
just because you've read the Bible through 5, 10, 15, 20 times. Just because you can quote full passages from memory. None of these things. You've got to spend time with God. We've got to be able to, to get close to God, remembering that, that I need him. I need his direction. I need to be sensitive to his Holy Spirit, that I'm hearing what he's saying. Although God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, we will only experience his glory in our life to the degree that we allow his power to be active in us. In other words, a person who is not passionate towards God, who does not yield himself to God's will for his life, will not experience God to the degree that one who does so yield himself to God. The same God, we're serving the same God, but different experience. Let's just bring it to a natural point. Effie and I, we could be living in the same house, eating at the same table, commenting on the weather, but no closeness, no intimacy. We wouldn't even know each other. We'd be like two strangers under the one roof, under the same roof. And that's the way we are with God sometimes. Oh, we can point back to a day or an hour when we said the sinner's prayer and asked Jesus to come into our heart and forgive us of our sins. And we never read our Bible we very seldom pray unless we want something. And we don't avail ourselves of Bible studies or anything like that. We'll find ourselves in church most every Sunday morning. And that's it. You do not get to know somebody by estranging yourself from them. You get to know somebody by being close to them knowing their heart, knowing their, their thoughts, knowing what they like and what they dislike, and endeavoring to do the things that please them. And that's the way it is with God. You know, Jesus said that the time would come when people would come to him and say, Lord, Lord, We've done miracles in your name. We've cast out devils. We've done all those mighty works. And he said, I will say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. There's difference in knowing God than knowing about God. A lot of people know about God. But do you know him? Many of us, we recognize each other's face. Unless you're like me, and you, you've probably seen me in Walmart, Walmart somewhere, and said, well, he's pretty 
stuck-up guy, you know, like he never even said hi to me <laughs> just because I didn't recognize you. Just a, a fault that I have. But most of us, we can say, you know, someone will say, do you know, do you know so-and-so? And they say, oh, yes, I know. I know him. I know her. How well do you know him? Well, we go to the same church. Or we work at the same company. But how well do you know me? How much time have you spent with me? How much time are you spending with the Lord? The promise is, in my name, believers will cast out devils. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will heal sick people. That's the promise. The promise to me, the promise to you. What, I say, what I'm saying is that our passion for God determines how much of his power works in our lives. We have it. It's resident in us. Are we going to use it? That in term, turn determines how much we will do, he will do on our behalf. Our text says God will do more than we can ask or think. But it is according to the power that works in us. The power that works in us, that works in us. You've got the power, but is it working in you? This power works if we allow it to. Now, number four, let's look at the power that is available to us. The power of the word works in us. And we're going to deal with it on six, six topics. The power of the word, the power of the gospel, the power of prayer, the power of the blood, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the resurrection. The resurrection is our glorious hope. Amen? Now, that looks like a lot, but I'm not going to be long. First of all, let's expand on this. The power of the word works in us. Jesus answering in Mark chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus answering said to them, Ye do err, because you do not know the scriptures, neither the power of God. People were asking questions that they shouldn't have been asking because they did not know the scriptures. You will always err when you fail to heed the Bible. If you just pick and choose what you want to believe, you're going to fall into error. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, 
and of the joints and the marrow, is a discerner of the thoughts and the indents of the heart. I've known people who never heard a gospel message preached, but went to a hotel, and because they had nothing else to do, they opened up one of the drawers, and there was a little Gideon Bible in there. They read that Bible. They read something in John. And they knelt at their bed and asked Jesus Christ to come into their heart. Many, many hundreds of testimonies have been similar to that. Some of these people have went on to be evangelists, and preachers of the gospel and teachers of the word of God. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Did you hear that? He will have whatever he says. To say to this mountain, be removed. He didn't say pray for this mountain to be removed. He says, you, if you have faith to say to this mountain, be removed. You can speak to the mountain of fear. fear. You can speak to the mountains of anxiety. You can speak to the mountain of sickness, the mountain of separation. And whatever you say will be done. That's the word of God, folks. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when Kenneth Hagin and, and, uh, and the Copelands and and a number of others began to see this truth and began to preach it. And I remember how we, as a traditional Pentecostal denomination, found fault with it. And we made such remarks as, Blab it and grab it. Name it and claim it. And in doing so, we found ourselves get to a point as a denomination where we were losing out rapidly with God. Because we were, found ourselves in the same place that Paul the Apostle found himself when Jesus spoke to him and said, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. The word of God is the word of God. And so, thank God, we saw our error. Or most of us did anyway. We began to take God at his word. The power of the gospel works in us. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, 
Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's a gospel message. We should never be ashamed. We should never apologize for the gospel because it is what brings men and women to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the power of God to save. The gospel is good news. And you have that power working in you. You can reach your friends and your relatives, your neighbors and your co-workers with the gospel of Christ. But don't try to be a scholar. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be a theologian. Just tell what Jesus has done for you. Just tell him what he brought you out of. Tell them the difference of serving the, the, the devil and serving God. James chapter 5, verse 16, we see the power of prayer that works in us. We need to keep prayed up and keep filled up. James chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, it says, Confess your trespasses one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. The Bible says that Elijah was just like us, just like me, just like you. Our prayers can be just as effective as Elijah's prayer. Effective, fervent prayer gets results from the hand of God. Then there's the power of the blood that works in us. Revelations chapter 12, verse 11 tells us that the saints were overcomers. And this is how they overcame. They overcame him, that's the devil, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. What has the blood of Jesus done for us? I'll tell you what he's done. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. Surely he bore our sorrow, and by his stripes we were healed. The power of the Holy Ghost works in us. The promise of Jesus, the promise of the Father, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The power of the Holy Ghost is the key to effective witnessing. 
The power of the Holy Ghost is not someone watching, listening to me speaking in tongues. That's the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Ghost is not me doing a Spanish two-step across the, the platform. That's a manifestation of what God is doing in my life. And I'm in a place where I can do that. I can jump. I can clap my hands. I can wave my hands. I can laugh. I can shout. These are all manifestations of what God is doing on the inside, and I'm expressing it in my natural body. The power of the Holy Spirit is evidenced when I speak and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be made whole. And the person experiences the same anointing that that woman that said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she touched him. And immediately, the blood was stopped. That's the power of the Holy Ghost in me and in you. The spiritual gifts are necessary for edification of the church, necessary for administering healing and deliverance. But so many times, God has given us so much and we abuse it. We like to get together in our little companies and we like to have a real party, a Holy Ghost party. We feel good. We get goosebumps all over. What a great service we had. But we're not changing our world. We're not changing our homes. We're not changing our community. God has given us so much, and from whom much is given, much is required. The power of the resurrection works in us. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But the, if the spirit, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, that he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. John, 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's our glorious hope, the hope of the resurrection. Every one of us has that hope. Amen. And so when the doctor gives us that, that report that we've been dreading, you only got so many days, so many weeks, so many months, a year to live. We believe God for healing. We hold on. We believe for healing. 
But we know that whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Whether we're going to be taken up one day, whether we're here when the rapture takes place and we'll be taken up in the twinkling of an eye, or whether we go down into Mother Earth and someone puts us down on the ground and he comes back here and have a little party, talk about what a wonderful person we were. We hope. But you know something? If our hope is only in this life, Paul said we are of men most miserable to be pitied. But our hope is in eternity. What is 70, 80, 90 years to eternity? It's nothing. It's just a speck in eternity. And that's what it's all about. Our life down here is about right now. We want to be healthy. You need to be healthy to be able to witness. You need to be healthy to be able to share your faith. But we're preparing for a better place. And Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. So, in conclusion, without the power of God working us, there's no victory. You could not be an overcomer. You would be weak and fruitless. The good news is I don't have to walk in my own power. I don't have to walk in my own strength. I can remain, I can remain passionate towards God and yield myself to his will. I can choose to believe that God's Holy Spirit is resident in me. It's all choice, you see. It's choice. When I act upon the word of God, it works in me to destroy the works of the devil. So I pray. I read the Bible. I do the word instead of just hear it. I stir up the gift. God working in you. God working in me. Power to save. Power to deliver. Power to heal. That's who we are, folks. That's the power that is in us unto him. He was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know and experience this. That's what it's all about. It's not about how high we jump, not how loud we sing or shout. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying anything against that. When you get to be my age, 
you rejoice when you see young people vibrant, dancing and clapping their hands and shouting. One time I used to do that. But if I danced to one of those songs today, I'd be crippling around the house for the rest of the week. And I'm just as spiritual when I'm dancing inside. I'm dancing with you in my spirit. Folks, God has given us so much. And he wants us to share it. All God wants you to be is be you. Don't mistake spirituality for outward show. Just let the Holy Spirit work in you. What do we want you to do? What is he saying to you? And now, maybe you came into this place today and you're not, not feeling well in your body. Maybe you need healing. If you need prayer today, if you need healing, you come. I don't know exactly how I will minister to you as an individual as you come today. I may pray for you. I may like Peter, say, such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, be healed. I'm not stuck on formula. I just want to see God move. power of the Holy Spirit that's working in me, working in you, can move mountains. I really, really want to see a change take place in our hearts. I want to do whatever it takes to have the Holy Spirit once more move in me and move in you to see hearts and lives touched for Jesus. Let's let him do it. What's God saying to you today? Only you know if you need him to do something for you. If you do, why don't you come? He's our healer. He can heal us physically, spiritually, mentally, every way. But you have to ask him. That's God's way. That's God's way. Let us pray. Father, 
in your mighty name. We ask that you would undertake right now. Lord, that one Lord who is weak, give them courage to come. That one Lord who feels away from you, that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter, give him, give her courage to come and say, Lord, I've drifted away. I want to get back close to you again. That one who's never known what it is to lay their head on the pillow at night and knowing that it is well with their soul. Give them courage to say, Lord, I want you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You want prayer, you come. You want to be ministered to in some way, you come. Otherwise, you're dismissed. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.